Welcome to Be Convinced, a show about sharing life-changing stories of hope. I'm your host, Soraya Diasi-Kofeld. I'm an Ivy League-educated lawyer, former judge, small business owner, children's author, and above all, mother, who is passionate about helping to improve lives and convincing you that there is indeed hope for a better future for ourselves and our children. It is my profound desire that after listening to each show, you will indeed be filled with hope. This is episode number seven. My guest today is a 22-year-old university student who is spreading the word about the importance of literacy. I love to hear stories of young people doing what they can to improve our communities, and I'm certain that her story will be a real blessing to you. Stay tuned. My passion has always been to spread the love of books and promote the importance of literacy in a child's life. My passion inspired me to write a series of five faith-based children's books about our favorite holidays from a Christian's perspective, Easter, Fourth of July, Halloween, Thanksgiving, and Christmas. My books are filled with colorful illustrations and lots of humor because children love to laugh. All proceeds from book sales go to the Nonprofit Foundation as the Stars of the Sky Foundation to help promote literacy. To purchase my books, please visit asastarsofthesky.org or your favorite online bookseller. Thank you. Hi, welcome to the show, Be Convinced. We're sharing life-changing stories to give you hope. And we have a wonderful guest today, a very smart young lady, She's not only smart, but she's beautiful, she's talented, and we're going to hear all about her. She was selected as Miss University of the Virgin Islands, Raven Phillips Love. But before we begin, I have a quote. I always like to share a quote at the beginning of each show, and the quote is by author Robin Moore. Inside each of us is a natural-born storyteller waiting to be released. And you'll find out more why I selected that quote about storytelling, because it's part of Raven's platform. So welcome, Raven. It's wonderful to have you with us today. Thank you so much for having me, Ms. Kofeld. My name is Raven McKenzie Phillips, and I am the 40th Miss University of the Virgin Islands. And tell us a bit about what you are majoring in, in your studies there at the University of the Virgin Islands. So right now I am a senior and I'm majoring in social sciences. My minor is psychology and I hope to do several different things with my degree. At some point, I'd like to go to law school. I would like to conduct cultural and psychological research within the Caribbean region. At some point, I'd also like to be a librarian. Those are amazing goals. And I think it's very important for young people to have goals. You're very goal oriented. And I think that's wonderful. You're a great role model to other young women and young men as well. So tell us a bit about the University of the Virgin Islands. I'm sure a lot of our listening audience does not know about it. So tell us about what an important institution that is. So the University of the Virgin Islands was established as the College of the Virgin Islands in, I believe, 1962. So amongst the HBCUs that our country has, it's fairly young. 
It received land grant status, I believe, in the 1970s, which is a very important distinction that many HBCUs have that enable them to take on different agricultural projects and programs. But right now, it's a full-fledged university with many different degree programs on the undergraduate and the graduate level. And we're the only HBCU that is not within the continental United States. We're the only HBCU here in the Caribbean. And I think that's very important. HBCUs in general are very important to the, the fabric and history of education within our country, not just for Black people and people of color in general, but just education in America. Yes, that is very, very true. And you were crowned as Miss University of the Virgin Islands when? I was crowned this October. Initially, the pageant was supposed to be last spring, but a lot of issues came up in regards to the pandemic. So many changes had to be made to the running of the show and it delayed its start. So we weren't able to crown me until October. Yes, the pandemic affected everything, didn't it? Even uh, we wouldn't think about, but even the crowning of a person to be Miss University of the Virgin Islands. So tell us, you have an amazing platform, very fascinating, very unique. So tell us the title of your platform and what it involves. So my platform is titled, Let's Improve Literacy in the Territory Through Reading, Writing, and Telling Our Own Stories. And it's meant to be a community-based approach to tackling issues of literacy in the territory. It's partially based off of a bit of research that I conducted for my job last year, the 2018-2019 Smarter Balance Assessment Test Scores showed that of the students that in the territory that were tested, only around a quarter of them were reading and writing at grade level. And that bothered me so much because it, I thought about how an incredible impact reading and writing has had on my life and the different opportunities and the people that I've been able to meet through my ability to read and write well. And I stopped to consider my experiences a little deeper. And I realized that I really did grow up in an environment where reading and writing were encouraged at all levels. It made me realize that reading and writing, it's very important to treat them as virtues to be molded and worked on rather than just subjects in school. And if you want a young child to have a certain virtue, they need to see it in all the different places that they're socialized. So that would mean in the home, it would mean at school, in their wider neighborhood, and possibly their house of worship if they have one. Yes. And what, what about your background? Tell us how, uh, you developed this love of reading. I often think back to my experiences. First, in my own household, my parents read to me when I was younger. And as my ability to read developed, I would start to read to them. In the elementary school that I went to, they had a multitude of different programs that were centered around reading and writing. They had a program for all the, I believe it was the fourth and fifth grade students where they would had a buddy system where they would have you work with a kindergartner and you would read to them a few times a week. 
And over time, they would start to pick the books. And the goal was to get them to start reading to you. The school also had a program for third grade students where for a month during the semester, they would have people come in and work with the students and have them write their own books and illustrate them. And they were bound and they had a whole event for it with certificates and everything. And they would slap a barcode on your book and your book would go in the school's library and anybody could come and check your book out. In addition to that, we had a very loving and hardworking librarian that would go out of her way to help students develop book clubs and like that. So it's experiences like that, that that remind me that it's important to have an environment that encourages reading and writing. And that's the sort of thing that I want to be able to do within the territory with my platform. I want to create, I want to, I want to craft an environment where everybody reads and writes and we're all encouraging each other to read and write. So it's going to center around poetry writing, short story writing, novelists, local authors, and also the cultural art of storytelling. I think what you're talking to us about, how it starts very early on, you mentioned at this prior school you attended that you were involved or you saw them starting with kindergartners. I believe very strongly, and I operate a nonprofit that is just really promotes reading, the importance of reading. And I talk a lot about starting from a very young age. Many people say you can read to a child when it's in the mother's womb. But even after birth, it doesn't matter how young the child is, just reading with them, reading to them is so important. And before they enter into school, kindergarten is really a critical age as well. Kindergarten through third grade for developing reading skills, because learning to read is so important as the child moves on to fourth grade. So I think that you've hit the nail right on the top. It's just amazing how important literacy is. And it's wonderful to see a young woman promoting it. And you are just involved throughout the community doing amazing things. So Miss University of the Virgin Islands is not your first accomplishment because you work in a very interesting segment of the government. Would you mind sharing where you work? Yes, I currently work in the legislature. I am a researcher. And that's the legislature of the Virgin Islands. So yes, when the legislature you, of the Virgin Islands. <laughs> so when you heard about how bad children are doing, how poorly they're reading, where were you at that time? How were you able to hear that? I believe it was just an update from the Department of Education where in their testimony, they included all the different test scores. And I was able to take a look at that myself and hear the different questions that the senators had for all our, uh, the administrators and things like that. Yes. So you were participating or at least attending a hearing where these different Department of Education officials, and they were Virgin Islands Department of Education officials, correct? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So that stimulated you or began your your drive, your passion to do something about literacy. And I think it's so great that you're talking about storytelling because that is really a Caribbean cultural thing to do is storytelling. How did that concept come to you? 
I think that as I was planning out my platform, it just kind of made sense to me to go ahead and use basically a literary form that already exists within our culture that should be celebrated. Definitely. And I think we were losing the ability to storytell. And I remember my both my sons loved to read. They were voracious readers. And my youngest son, James, would sit in the backseat of the car with his friend. I would pick them up, uh, both of them from school, and they would make up stories together and talk about it. And, and my son would start the story and his friend would pick up and add to it and they go back and forth. So they would create stories just on their own and have so much fun doing that. I think the, if parents, grandparents, aunts and uncles encourage that as well as the schools, that's just so amazing because it gets children to thinking and being so creative. So tell me about your early Growing up, you're not originally from the Virgin Islands. Is that right? No, my family is originally from Florida, but I moved here from upstate New York, Rochester, New York. It's maybe half hour from Canada. Yes. And you moved to St. John, which is one of the four U.S. Virgin Islands. Tell us about living on St. John, because you had a lot of challenges that you had to overcome. I love St. John. I love St. John's people. I love St. John's culture. But I must say, getting an education on St. John can be very, very difficult. There's only one high school. It's K-12, and it's a private school. If you wanted to go to a public high school, you have to travel over to St. Thomas. And I lived in Coral Bay, St. John, which is a half hour from the ferry. So my mornings in high school started at 5 a.m. so that I could catch the bus at 6 so that I could make the ferry at 7 so that I could walk to school for 7.20. And I did that five days a week. I remember in my freshman year, people used to joke that the St. John students were sharing boat tickets. And that was because a lot of us would miss school. So it looked like if one person was here, then these two people were going to be here. And if she was here, then they weren't going to be here. And that really came down to the fact that, especially in freshman year, that transition of that commute five days a week, it's very rough, not on not just physically, but mentally. And that commute can really play a major role in the different programs and things that you participate in, because you have to factor in how long it's going to take you to get home and if you can get a ride home afterwards. Yeah, I really wanted to participate in band, but band practices went until maybe seven o'clock in the night. And that meant I wouldn't be getting home to Coral Bay till maybe 10 or 11. Yes. So you mentioned how difficult it was to get to school. And you just touched briefly about returning home because you lived in Coral Bay, which on, for people who don't know St. John, that's the most eastern part of St. John. And then you said you had to catch the bus just to get into Cruise Bay from where you picked up the ferry. And that was about 30 minutes. And it's not a nice highway. The road is very narrow, very twisting and turning and up and down these huge mountains. So it's quite a road that has to be traveled on a school bus. You get into Cruise Bay, then you have to board the ferry, about a 20-minute ferry over to the ferry dock on St. 
Thomas, and then you had to walk, you mentioned the 20 minutes, but then returning home, you had to follow that same procedure. So it isn't as if you just walked to school or your parents took you to school, you hopped on a school bus. So you had a lot of challenges. And about what time would you get home then? Uh, What was it like a, a normal day for you to return home from school? I had a lot of different opportunities available to me in high school, so I did what I could to participate in them. I had to pick and choose which ones I could do. But generally, throughout high school, I got home around 10, maybe 11 in the night sometimes because of the different programs and things I was involved in. And to be a good student, you need to have varied experiences and you took advantage of that. You participated in a number of programs, but still that impacted your return home. I just wanted the listening audience to hear about the challenges that you went through because people who don't live on an island or even people who don't live on St. John and commute to St. Thomas don't really understand the hardship that is involved. And to do that five days a week for four years while you're attending school, it's really a challenge. And my hat's off to you. I think you did an amazing job to stick with it and then to go on to attend the University of the Virgin Islands. You told us about your platform. What I wanted to know was, what are some of the specific programs that you have planned? Even though we're, of course, in the midst of the pandemic, hopefully by early next year, this Shows being taped in December of 2020. So hopefully early next year, the vaccine will be out and we'll overcome this pandemic and the shut-ins. But tell me what you have planned. At this point, I'm trying to be really dynamic with the way I plan my events just because we're living in such uncertain times right now. I don't want anybody to be placed in any kind of dangerous position by trying to participate in anything I'm trying to do. So I'm going to make sure that my events have a virtual component within them. But I know that on my list, I want to host poetry writing workshops for students so that they can work on expressing themselves through the art of poetry. I want to engage in, in virtual story reading sessions for all age groups. I have something a little bit bigger that I'm still working out, but it's going to be related to storytelling and teaching the art of storytelling in the territory. Yes. And there's really an art to it because you have to get children to listen. Usually they're sitting around and if you storytelling to a group of children, you have to get their attention. It's just like reading a book to children. I often go into the public schools and elementary schools, Head Start programs, and I read to children. And you have to make your your talk animated and laugh and show them the pictures. And with storytelling, you don't have a book. So you have to change the way you speak, put different voices in there, and just make it very interesting for children to stay focused and continue listening. And I always like to include humor. What do you plan to do as far as going into the schools once you can? Have you thought about that? Because there you have a captive audience. At this point, I would like to introduce elements of my platform into the schools, but I am concerned about safety for both myself and the students. 
So I kind of want to see if I can find a virtual way to engage with students through the Department of Education. But once the pandemic has passed, I think that's where I would like to direct your attention. Once the pandemic has passed, do, are, do you plan any type of programs within the elementary schools? Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. Once it's safe, I would love to have that person-to-person interaction with the students. Honestly, I do love working and interacting with young children. They have so much imagination and so much energy, and I want to encourage that. And I would have a much easier time encouraging that if I was physically in front of them. So I am looking forward to that for sure. And please let me know because I'd love to join you. As I said, I go in already. So once the schools are back in session, I would love to join you. I I really believe quite wholeheartedly in your platform. What do you think about how we could promote more to help parents understand the importance of reading to their children? Do you have any ideas what can be done to encourage them to do that? I think that it would be beneficial for maybe through the schools, if we can send students home with like a little package for their parents, maybe a few times a year with just an instructional booklet and a set of books that they can sit and read with them. Yes. It could include like different, like an activity book along with that for different ways they can get their children to engage with what they're reading. Yes, that's very true. Make the books easily accessible for the parents. And you mentioned how good the librarian was at the school that you attended. And I think that's an important criteria, too, because I know elementary schools that have great librarians, but not all elementary schools have great librarians or wonderful libraries. But the libraries at the elementary schools are what parents should be visiting and talking to the librarians and making sure that they do as much as possible to enforce the whole concept of reading and helping their children develop that love for reading. Because once it's developed when the child is young, then it's smooth sailing from there. It's starting when with the child when they're young. And of course, when they're older, you still can work with them. I'm not saying don't work with them, but it's so much easier once you develop that love of books when the child is young. So as we're closing up, Raven, I wanted to ask you if you had any final thoughts about the importance of literacy and how we can just continue to spread that news. I definitely want to close off by saying that that books are our windows to worlds that we may have never imagined. And they connect us in ways that we don't even take the time to consider sometimes. And writing is such an incredible method of self-expression that I think that all of us, young and old, of all cultures, could really benefit from getting more into reading and writing. And I also want to close off by saying, everybody, make sure to have patience for yourself. Every appearance that I've had throughout the pandemic, I always like to stress this the need for patience and compassion and kindness for one another. We are still living in a pandemic. It has a major impact on the way we function and the way our jobs work and our responsibilities. 
And I think it's important that we treat each other with ourselves and others with kindness and compassion as we get through this together. Thank you for those profound closing words. And thank you, Raven, for joining us today. Have a wonderful day. Thanks so much. Thank you for joining me on the show, Be Convinced, as we share life-changing stories of hope. As you wake up each morning, consider the impactful words of American poet Maya Angelou. This is a wonderful day. I have never seen this one before.